This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 72. Hey everybody, I'm so thrilled that I can share this week's conversation with you because I actually thought it had been lost in a hard drive death. It's come back and I'm so glad because it's one of those conversations that just made my brain hum with activity. We went in so many different directions that I just wanted to dig into and I knew that if we re-recorded it, it just may not have the same magic. But it's here, we found it, so it's a little bit dated in terms of when it was recorded, but it's here, we found it. It was recorded over six months ago now, I think, but everything that my guest this week, Chupi, has to say is so meaningful and so relevant and will connect with so, so many of you. It is a manifesto for any woman out there who wants to start a business in what is still kind of a man's world and feels like it might not be possible. I know you're going to love her as much as I do, so I'm just going to dive straight into this week's conversation. Hi, Chupi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah, I'm so excited to be here. Could you give us an introduction to who you are and what you do for everybody listening? My name is Chupi and I make beautiful sparkly things. So I live in Dublin in Ireland and we run a jewellery brand based in Dublin. So we have 27 brilliant people on the team who make beautiful sparkly diamonds and gold. And we sell into 64 countries around the world. And I am addicted to Instagram. And that is why I (laughs) need to talk to you today. There's so much I want to dig into with you. So let's rewind um, right to the beginning. How did this journey for you start? Um, I guess like I, I suppose like most people it's really my mum so she's sort of the driving force of of who I am and what I do uh, so I so I'm like I'm essentially a jewelry designer and with, uh, with this wonderful brilliant company and my brother's a filmmaker and it's funny because I don't think either of us ended up in creative careers by accident it was our brilliant mums that made it possible mm. so my mum is one of the founding members of the Irish women's movement so back in the 1970s when women couldn't you know there's so many things they weren't allowed to get divorced they weren't allowed to hold their jobs after they got married and my mum saw this injustice and decided to fight for it so my mum went and fought in the women's movement and there was a huge activist and then when I was born I was really sick so I couldn't go to school I had a compromised immune system and everything I got everything like I had measles mumps and rubella despite all the vaccines and it meant that my mum is a wonderful wonderful woman she decided that if we were going to we were going to be okay we were going to be homeschooled so and not in it's funny you say homeschooling to people now they think it's religious so I think you know there's so many kind of Trump uh, like Midwest connotations with the idea of homeschooling but we were Super yeah. liberal, super super hippie homeschooling, where we were basically told we could do anything we wanted to do. And um, mum really brought us up with the idea that we could be anything we wanted to be as long as we were prepared to hard, work hard enough. So if we put our heart and soul into it, well, why couldn't we be the best in the world, or why couldn't we change the world? Um, and that was such a yeah, so such an empowering. It? Sorry, I was saying it's sorry. such an empowering thing to be told when you're a kid that you can be anything you want to be. Like we tell, I think it's funny. We tell five year olds they can be anything they want to be, and we tell thirteen year olds to knuckle down and study hard and it doesn't matter if they don't like business they still have to study business what happens between five and thirteen that you you disempower kids and tell them they can't actually do what they want someone literally sent me a message on instagram this morning she's doing the insta retreat at the moment and she was saying how she was really enjoying the homework and she said a teacher told her at school um homework is not meant to be fun because when you get when you grow up and get a job that won't be fun either and this is good practice oh my god how awful is that it's so grim 
home. And they're home. it's terrible, isn't it? That's just soul destroying. Yeah, and I think I think it's so it's so soul destroying to, to be told that. So I, my very um, my eclectic career has definitely come from that belief that we could do anything. So my brother and I wrote a cookbook when we were seventeen and fourteen, and that sounds very precocious. We weren't. We were just we really liked cooking and we really liked eating and we really liked writing about it. And my mum is a writer anyway, so. We just we were writing we were eating and cooking all the time because I had all these food allergies because I was sick so it meant we were writing cooking loads and writing loads so my mum went a friend of my mum said oh why don't the kids write a cookbook and so we did and it was published by Macmillan in London and Gillan Macmillan in Ireland and Marlow in New York and it was wonderful we, it was so much fun it was such a brilliant we were so young when I think about it like I was 18 when it was published and we were kids and then um, I loved it very passionately. And then my, my now husband, then boyfriend, I took a gap year to, to do the book, to do the publicity tour and to travel with it. And my, my boyfriend was like, Brian said, well, you better go to college at some point, go to uni. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. So I took a second gap year. And then he was like, no, you really have to go to uni. <laughs> so I went to uni to do fashion because I really loved making, I've always made things like got my first sewing machine when I was five, a little tiny, I think about it now, like health and safety would definitely not allow this. I had a, an actual working singer sewing machine aged five years old. And ter- terrifying yeah. perfect now with like, you know, electric pedal and a needle and the full shebang. So I went up. Orla keeps oh, asking me to God, get her one actually and she's five. Oh, no, so that's amazing. quite inspiring. I remember when I was making little clothes for my Barbies at five with this, like I was supervised, but it's a, it's such, such an enabling thing when you're a kid you're like wow you know because hand sewing only gets you so far I loved mine I have to say yeah and so I went to uni to do fashion and kind of at the same time as I'd written the book I'd started a little fashion label and that, that sounds very grand like started a fashion label I had actually um I was just we were really really broke when we were kids and I I loved I've always loved the idea of making things that matter to people you know, not just making something I love. And I think for designers, it's always an interesting juxtaposition. Are you making for you or are you making for someone else? And I mm. I live for the moment someone stands in front of the mirror or they try on the necklace or they put on their ring and like just have that moment. You know, when you put on a dress and you're like, how did I live without this? I am a stone lighter, a foot taller. I, I, I Oh my God, this is the best dress I've ever worn. And I live for that moment. And so I'm I had my little fashion label and I had a stand out in a market in in Dublin and I used to, like we lived right out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the countryside and every Saturday I'd get on the bus with my like two backpacks and my big clothes rail and I'd go get in and do my little fashion store. So I did that and it got... It what was, was your label Chupi. called? <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> so when your parents name you Chupi, there's basically nothing to be done. Like you just, there's no arguing against it. You just, <laughs> I hated it passionately when I was 13. I, I really felt like, you know the way you just want to be normal? I was like, and my brother, yeah. Mm, you just want to blend because in. My brother's called Luke, so he's got a really sensible name. And I was like, oh, I, I'm just cheapy, really. Is that? And so my second name is Camille, and I spent the whole summer, I asked my two best friends to call me Camille, and they were so sweet, they called me Camille. And I was like, really hoping I could change everyone's mind about this whole cheapy thing, but it didn't work. So I didn't stop. <laughs> and are you glad of I that am, now? It's, so there's something called numbness of determinism, and it's a theory that we become what we're named, so we grow into our names. And so I think, I was a very, very shy teenager. I was really, really nervous and really, really afraid and really, really unsure of myself. And I think having a weird name helped me grow out of that. So I, I, I love people now. Like I could talk to you, put me anywhere, and I, it's definitely being Irish. <laughs> it's my, my dad is English, <laughs> mum is Irish, but I was brought up here, so I'm, I'm very Irish. And I think it's just that lovely ability to really want to talk. And I think having a weird name helped me there. I don't know if I'd, if I'd actually. If I'd been Camille, would I have felt the same way? So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Mm. I'm not sure. But that idea of then 
for them for when I went to college. I went to uni and did fashion. I got I was, got scouted by Topshop when I was 21. So I'd been in uni for a year and that was it was incredible. That is incredible. Like I, f- I feel like we have to pause there and say <laughs> that is incredible. That surely that doesn't happen to many people, especially it, so young. I was young. the youngest designer they'd ever worked with. It was phenomenal. So I and it. I, but I always feel like um, it sounds really easy. Like I got scouted. So at that stage, I had been um, spending every Saturday and Sunday in the pouring rain. And it does rain a lot in Dublin. In the pouring rain in, with my little fashion store for four and a half years at that stage. So it was it was very, very young. But it was also... Because what I hate is I hate hearing people's perfect stories. Like if I just tell you I got scouted by Topshop when I was 21, that sounds so easy. But it also sounds so impossible. It doesn't sound like you could ever achieve it. You yeah. know? How's anyone going to get scouted? That's a huge, big, scary thing. Whereas if you listen to that story and hear that actually, you know, that was four and a half years of standing in the pouring rain, then it makes much more sense. It's like, oh, that no, wasn't just magic or a moment or luck. But it wasn't mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's hard work, but also some, yeah, some deserved recognition uh, of what was, you were doing. It was just like, doing. I'm a real believer in that hard, the harder I work, the luckier I get. I think it's, isn't it? Like yes. it's, you know, it's, it's all the things that I think Instagram is especially guilty of this, of for all of us, we look at people's perfect lives and go, oh, but, you know, they're so much cooler, so much cleverer, so much more brilliant or so much more. And it just comes to so easily to them. And then you don't see all the all the hustle underneath and everything they're doing to make it possible, everything they're doing and all the sacrifices they made. So I always, I always think it's really important that I tell the truth about where we came from, that it was the four and a half years that got the top shop, even though I was, I was a kid. But it was amazing. 21 and designing for Topshop was definitely the dream. <laughs> like, so where where but, were you based with no, that? Did you I have to move? Scotland. So um, we made, so Brian and I, so we're together since we're kids. Um, we were 16 when we met. So we're together 18 that. years, which is I'm 34, so over half our lives. And we very much at the start decided that, I think, like, I, I guess you have to figure out what makes you happy. And for me, happiness is the people I love. Like the thing that matters most to me in the world is the people I love and the highest concentration of people I love live in Dublin. So my heart is in like my sister, my little sister's in London and I, I miss her terribly and my big sister's in the US and you know, people I love scattered all over the world, but the most amount of people are in Dublin. Mm. So we made a very serious choice to stay in Dublin and to build lives in Dublin and to build companies in Dublin and to make this our home. So I was based in Dublin, but we worked across their flagship stores of Dublin, London and Belfast at the time, like Topshop was tiny. And this is it's 13 years ago actually. We're just on Monday, the 5th of November. It's 13 years since I started working for Topshop, and 13 is my lucky number. So it's a big one for us. I really like your taste and style. So I'm kind of thinking in my head, I, I probably would have bought something you designed. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I well, it would have been ridiculously short. Like I'm talking to think. Remember, 13 years ago, and the style was really, really, really short. <laughs> it was like the time of lit, yeah. The time of like you know just post Britney, but all like real party dresses. And I was 21, so I was designing like party clothes, and it was wonderful. Yes. And I loved it. So. You loved it, you were enjoying it, but you, you're not there anymore. So ah, what changed? Very good question. So I, a couple of things changed. So I, I was falling out of love with it. I, I loved high street fashion. I, I loved, but I didn't love the disposable nature. So you are literally, fashion is created to be thrown away. You're creating things that are going to be so not cool in three months. And that's soul destroying. And, you know, as a yeah. designer, as a human being, to be thinking, I'm, I'm literally creating for landfill. Like I'm, I'm adding no value to the world. And so I was, so I've been lots of things in my career. Like I've been stressed. I've been overworked. I've been incredibly busy. I've been lots of 
not positive things but I've never been bored I really feel like you know life is very short you should never be bored you should never hate your job and I've always loved mine and I was getting to the point where I just felt really stressed about it and I just felt like I felt understimulated and so I started making things and it was actually Brian my husband said he was like oh why don't you get a hobby and I was like oh yeah hobbies they're a thing you know because we worked for Topshop it was 70 hours a week but hobbies weren't really a thing I was like oh yeah hobbies I yeah, recognize I that. Could do yeah. a hobby. And so I um I started making jewelry, just like little pieces for myself. And then Brian proposed and um, we were together ten years. Uh, he he told me it was very funny. He told me when we were sixteen and we'd been together two weeks, he told me he was gonna marry me. <laughs> and I was like, ridiculous. I'm not marrying you. Marriage is a form of the patriarchy. I don't need to be married. I'm like, no, oh, my parents were divorced, so I didn't really believe in it. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need to get married. That's ridiculous. And then about 10 years later, when he, he was like, finally decided he was going to ask me again, I was like, oh, this is amazing, actually. Of course I want to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you. But I remember the moment he got down on one knee and he was holding, I remember holding my engagement ring and just thinking, I own a piece of the future. You know, I own something, I own an heirloom, I own something hopefully my daughter will wear one day, my great-granddaughter, and that hopefully will become part of our story and this incredible journey. And there's, it's one of the greatest privileges in life to have to have that idea of, of something that lives on lives on and becomes becomes an heirloom. And I, I, I fell yes. in love with that idea of creating heirlooms. So I spent two and that wasn't oh happening at Topshop. <laughs> no, creating landfill, much more than creating heirlooms. And I thought, okay, um, I want to make magic. I want to do something that matters. And so I spent the next two years, next year, just saving like crazy and really, 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 you know, making sure that this is what I wanted. And then I quit and retrained as a goldsmith with two very wonderful goldsmiths who are based here in Ireland. And I just apprenticed, basically. I just turned up at their door every day and annoyed them. I was like, you know, ask Janice, you know, how to do this and ask Cormac. And they were both wonderful. And um, we, now that's five years ago. So it was April 2013, we started the company officially. And yeah, it was, I'm, I've never looked back. And like, I ultimately had a quarter life crisis. I was 26. And um, I knew I didn't want to be a fashion designer for the rest of my life, which is a very funny thing to say because it sounds like the perfect job, you know, working fashion designer, working for Topshop, it sounds yeah. so good, but it wasn't and it didn't make me happy. And it, it taught me a lot about don't believe the headlines just because your life looks perfect on the outside. It doesn't mean that you, that it, that it is, you can always change. It's funny. We had, I spoke to um, Nikki, Miss Magpie yeah. fashion spy on an episode just recently, and she used to work for Monsoon Amazing. designing um and and she had a similar yeah. kind of midlife crisis not quite at midlife and and decided to become an illustrator um so it's it's kind of this thing it's almost like those creative urges will will find a way they will find a way and if you're not channeling them into the right thing and, for you yeah. then they're going to find a and way I to make like you better you know a broke jewelry designer than a than a, a miserable fashion designer you know it's, it's about isn't it like it's about you know what's what's the point and also I think that I, that thing of what mum says is it was really resonated with me of like of you know some of course you can do it because someone has to like someone does the amazing things someone you know you build your like you have very much built your own dreams with me and all that you need built yourself a life that works and you know if you told anyone 10 years ago actually I'm going to be a creative coach and you know and an Instagram coach they would have no one would have believed you. We would have all... And that yeah. idea, I, I think it's like, it's really funny. Even one of my best friends when I said I was going to make jewellery was like, you know, there were like loads of people make jewellery. Like, I'm really not sure it's going to work. And he yeah. was like, loads of people make jewellery. 
But it doesn't mean there's not space for you exactly, to Exactly, yeah. And you make your own space and, it, and it's really easy. Um, I'm horrifically optimistic though. So and I think that's really stood to me. My husband, Brian, is a total cynic. So he is like super pessimist. And it really balances out between the two of us. So when I go and do something crazy, like quit my job, um, he's really good to be being like really practical, being like, okay, well then what's the plan and what's gonna what are you gonna do next and where are you going? And and it really helps that I'm I really believe I really am really believe in hope and op- opportunity. And he's much more like, Okay, how are we gonna make it possible? That's quite yeah, a good combination, yeah. Although I can imagine it sometimes creates oh, a bit we of are, friction. Oh, we are both eldest well. children. We're both absolutely determined we're right. We are very, very, very opinionated. <laughs> no, we are. And we now run, so we run some TV, our jewellery company. So we, we both work together. And then Brian is a really brilliant UI UX um, consultant. And he runs a really specialist consultancy. And I work on that with him. So we work with each other. All, we have, share a big, we have a huge big 1600 square foot office in, in town. And we have a brilliant team between us. And we work together all day, every day. And we are totally, yeah, but we, we just fight it out. Like he's just, yeah, he's really good about that. We just, we're both really opinionated. And we just like, we fight our corner, but we, we get through it. We never, yeah, we never let it be a problem. Well, because you love each other as well. So that's kind of the perfect person to oh, be totally. fighting it and out like, with, I suppose. You need someone to challenge you. You know, it's not like, it's not all hope yes. and fairy, the magic. You have to also have someone who's going, okay, look, what is the actual plan? What are you doing? You know, what's going to work? Where is it all going to be? Because uh, I guess you, like it's kind of the, the, the dichotomy where you can also feel like people end up not in a not in the real world kind of planning of like like I can't sing I'm the world's worst singer and so like if I decided to go and be a singer and quit my job to be a singer if, I, if I'd really really wanted it I would have needed an intervention and someone going look you know it's really wonderful you want to sing but you can't you're really rubbish so you need to go and like focus your dreams on something yes. you're good at and something you really love I think about this like those people that those poor people <gasps> that get to the x-factor stage oh and they're on tv singing badly and why? you think, why has nobody yeah. in your life Wait, how does no one look- stopped this from like, happening for you? you down and gone, like, look, you're wonderful and you're so brilliant. You're so talented. So many things, but please don't do this. Yeah, I know. I find that, I find that really, really tough. Yeah. I was thinking just. And sometimes I'll say to Rory, am I doing the X Factor <laughs> thing? I think I can do this, but am I, am I thinking I can sing on the X Factor? And he'll like talk me through why I am or yeah, I'm not. Like, and yeah, exactly as you say, I always say you need someone yeah, to call you on the bullshit you because you can't spot but that's it, it Maybe that's what it is. It's the, it's the X Factor check-in. Like you need a check-in with your friends going like, am I having an X Factor moment? <laughs> I actually always say, yeah, so, so go on. But it kind of, it's, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because like you say, a friend who loves you and cares for you wants yeah. you to be safe. And so like your really good friend who said to you, oh, I don't yeah. know if this is a good idea. It's kind of finding that balance where they, where you've got enough people who believe in you that you can go for it, but also you, you've still got a healthy dose of reality, and it's, I suppose. Because you have to find the place in the middle. Because like, like when I, you know, when we started and we said, we're going to build TV, it's going to be this beautiful jewellery company, we're going to make everything in Ireland and every single piece we make. So we'll be making about somewhere just in the region of 11,000 pieces of solid gold jewellery in Ireland this year, which is insane. Like, Clearly, we're completely mad. And the idea that when we said that to people, I was like, we're going to make beautiful solid gold jewellery. We're going to make everything in Ireland, 11 and a half thousand pieces, and that's going to be possible. Like, we popped up in Macy's yesterday. So we're in Macy's in the US for for Christmas. But if I said all those things out loud, I definitely would have met with a wall of scepticism. So it's keeping, it, it's it's taking enough risk. Like, take the small risks and have the big dream and find the bit in the middle. If you tell people your whole plan, definitely going to think you're mad. But you do need to tell some of it because otherwise you might be having an X-Factor moment. It's going to be X-Factor moment. So I was like, that's it. I'm totally happy with that. <laughs> we have to christen it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's our official <laughs> phrase now. Um, my friend Laura Jane Williams, who's been on this podcast before, she once said to me, um, you can't wait for someone to give you a seat at the table. You need to make your own table. And oh, that really I stuck love with that. Me. But isn't Laura Jane just the most amazing writer mm-hmm. in the whole world? I live for her Instagram captions. She's absolutely. so yes, honest absolutely. and really owns herself. Like to by oneself be true. Yeah, but you, yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I, when I see people like her and like you, I always feel a bit like, why? How are they so good at this already? Because <laughs> I feel like it's taken me my whole, my whole thirty-four years so far to even have a sense of who I am. And you, you know, you had the confidence already to to leave that job and start Jupy. How how many years? It's only we just turned five, and if five doesn't sound like very five. many, but five is a huge deal for a company because 90% of startups fail in the first five years so if you've made it to five years and and it is terrifying like running a company and starting it up like we went from three employees to 10 people on our team so one to one to three was kind of doable like it was okay you know it was friends it was like possible it was it was like you know it was still really stressful but it was kind of it was your gang and then three to ten was terrifying because that was bringing in strangers who maybe you know people never met and like I didn't know if they'd love it and I didn't know if they care and, and then it's actually weirdly going from 10 to 27 was kind of doable that was okay that we did that in the last two years but three to ten was was terrifying so the hitting five I think our fifth birthday this year really meant something it was like oh no we've been built something that matters and built something that yeah that has has a really special meaning something that's yeah. gonna last it, it's got a really solid yeah. presence um what did it look like right at the start then? So you've quit your job. Um, did you have some money that you were I able have to invest? Nothing. To, to kind of get no, started? yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, again, I feel it's one of those cons of starting a company. Everyone imagines that this is like, you know, this like the government funding or the support or this. No, we need absolutely nothing. So my grandmom had given me 3,000 quid when I was 21 to launch into Topshop. And that was kind of my little, my starting capital. And so I had about the same 3,000 quid when I finished up with them. And we had absolutely nothing. We worked out of our spare room. So we were we were really we were renting at the time and so we rented a house to rent with one spare room so that we knew we'd have somewhere to run the company. The room was maybe twelve feet by fifteen feet. And so it was me. And then it was me and my best mate. And then it was me and my best mate and our first intern. And then we started growing and we, we worked out of that until it's only two and a half years ago that we moved into our own offices. That was in like an absolutely seminal moment it was terrifying I was really scared about moving out of the house because I'm sort of a funny I've always been a funny combination of, of absolutely fearless and absolutely terrified so like I can I can see the big picture and be like no we're going to do that and we're going to be there and I did it like I did kind of like a vision quest almost uh, three and a half years ago and I imagined what our future would look like and I have you ever done the one where you imagine walking out of your house and you close your door behind you and you imagine what your house looks like and you're going to your car and you're going to work and are you getting into a car are you getting into a bike and I'd imagine this whole dream of what my life would look like and it was terrifying and then I was doing all the steps and I was completely terrified but I had this vision of where I wanted to be and so I'd imagine this beautiful warehouse space with brick walls and exposed beams and I never thought we'd, like I was like okay you know maybe in 10 years we can afford it and then we got to the point where there were six of us working in this room 12 feet by 15 feet <laughs> so that was we were making shipping packaging everything on this one long table so it was just one desk between the six of us a really long desk that did the whole length of the room and we were actually like it got to the point where we were packing the boxes for the jewelry up our staircase so you had to walk up the staircase sideways it was the only way you'd fit so you wouldn't fit with like with waves you had to walk up sideways and so it, <laughs> brian just like a stage an intervention after christmas he was like nope <laughs> like we have to get an office and we um 
And that was like, we were very, very, very bloody tiny then. That was, was six of us, I think. And then we, we found this ridiculously beautiful. I'm sitting in my studio today. I have my own little private studio space, you know, painted pink and gold on the walls. And we have a 1600 square foot, like, reclaimed industrial building with brick walls and exposed beams. And we've got our, our team. So we're just we're 27 and just, they're all getting ready for Christmas because we're Christmas is crazy season for us. It's all the proposals and the magic and all the gorgeous boys and girls who are yeah. asking their partners to be there for the rest of their lives. And so for us, it's peak crazy. But that journey... Well, then there's nothing better on Christmas morning than something sparkly. But like, Sarah, the, the people you get to meet, like, you have to... It's really funny. We say that one of the luckiest things about what we do is that we're in the business of happiness. You know, we get to make magic. You, you don't buy an engagement ring out of any yeah. other reason than joy and love. And like, it's such an exciting time to be part of. Like, it's really sweet. I was out for dinner last night and um, I bumped into bumped into a girl that I hadn't seen. And she was like, you, you know, he, like, just told me her story of her boy proposing and that he'd gone. So they'd gone to the... He'd taken the Eiffel. So they've been touring France for a couple of weeks. So they'd taken a really big holiday, and they'd gone to. They were in in France and they're going around and they were having this amazing time. And then got to Paris for a couple of days. And they said they treat themselves to a fancy hotel. They were like, no, okay, this is the end of the trip. We're just. You know, they've been two weeks, kind of cycling, really hardcore. Not my turn. I'm like, that's way more healthy than I'd ever managed. And they got to. They went up the Eiffel Tower, and he was like, he wouldn't take the lift. So he insisted they walked. And she was like, she was like, said she was really cross with him because she was like, wreck, oh, you know, walking up all the bloody steps. <laughs> the Eiffel Tower being like oh for god's sake what are you doing and gets to the top of the Eiffel Tower really hot and sweaty and turns around and he's down on one knee and is like telling her all of the amazing Aww. things and it's just incredible like that's dinner last night it's such a it's such a privilege to be part of people's most precious moments oh my goodness that's beautiful yeah. oh, but like, <laughs> we're so ridiculous we're so lucky we get to like hear all these incredible stories it's so amazing yeah, so your customer emails are people telling you like the magic that oh, you've it's been ridiculous. a part of. So we all we all use um it's Slack. It's basically like WhatsApp for work. So everyone on on the team is dialed yeah. into it. So we're all chatting away in it. All of us, twenty of us, are based in the studio, and then we have a store in Dublin. So and the rest the rest of our team are in store. And every day, everyone sends in their favorite story, like their favorite love story, and it's just ridiculous. So we get mm. this like deluge of all these, and like there's all the complicated things too, you know making jewelry is really really complicated especially making hair and there's all the other things we have to do with but it's that like daily check-in of love you know like oh what happened today who got engaged who proposed who you know who marked something special it's a really lovely thing to get to do it sounds like you've built a business that's still very much you like it's got your stamp all over it and it sounds like an amazing place to work to be honest hiring people terrifying so it's like because we have the most amazing team like they are just an absolute gang of incredible they're so brilliant like they're wonderful we had our season launch last week and we had 750 people come to a party that we threw and we do a big open launch so it's not like you know you see all those like perfect instagram parties where all the cool girls get invited ours is all of the girls, all of the guys. And we do it for everyone to celebrate. So we do it twice a year to set for our new season launches for spring, summer and autumn, winter to thank people for being part of our story. So we had 750 people into our store in town and our team, like the team, we did about 16 hours so the guys were on the floor. And just at the end of the night, we were all buzzing because everyone had been told the story. Like everyone had met someone who told them why something they'd made it mattered. But it makes hiring people terrifying because you're like, oh my God, what if we like, what if we get someone who doesn't really care? You know, what if they don't care about magic? Yeah. They don't care about... And I think that's the terrifying thing of growing a business. And like I still feel, it's funny, 
yeah, we're we're we are we're growing up now. We're definitely we are we are much more grown up as a business and as a brand. But I remember the days when the idea of letting someone in was terrifying. You know, of bringing. I think for mm. all of us, we feel like I remember one of the best pieces of business advice I was ever given was, "You're not the best at what you do." you are not the only person who can do it. Find what you really care about. Find what you're brilliant at and everything else get help on. And so I could say about every single person who works with me, they're better at what they do than I am. Like a million times better, profoundly, magically, incredibly better. And so we really, it's really about that. That letting go is very tough at the start though. Because you feel like, oh, but they won't, yeah. they won't talk to someone the way I talk to them. They won't, you know, they won't, like it's as simple as they won't package the box with as much love as I put the piece into the box. I totally relate to everything you're saying I'm like oh my gosh she's describing but it's really me. terrifying and it's just like you know even little things like silly things like a bookkeeper you know we should all totally try and get someone to do our books because if you're creative you're probably not really comfortable with numbers and even if you are you're probably not as good as someone else is so if you can get someone to do yeah you can kind of look at it just as exactly. a mathematical equation like we're yeah. bad at that um, uh, like it is like what what could you spend that time doing and how much more could that profit you exactly, your business yeah. if you just paid someone to do yeah. that job for no, you it's so important and I think it's very hard to let it go though to be like oh no. you know like you know I can do that better but actually probably it'll take someone else an hour to do it it'll take you four hours to do it and they'll do it better and you get to do the things you love so we keep a running skills analysis and I did it on the very first day when I had one person working for me I have a little spreadsheet. I love a good spreadsheet, I have to say. So a little spreadsheet, and I have what all the things that need to be done in our to make it possible to make make sparkly things. They're like you know, you know, so buying things like buying diamonds, ordering gold, designing, you know, accounting, running our big web our website, and that's a huge beast. And like you know, shipping. And I I put my name under the things I really 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 wanted to do. So I get I design everything, and that's like I love that. That's something. And I. I was going to ask if you oh still get yeah, I, I do everything 100%. I adore that part of it. And then I put, and then I, I try to always make sure that whatever anyone is doing, that they're fitting in under something and that they're getting to get, like, so we're really, really keen on our team's development and what they want to do next. I'm trying to, like, I looked at it and went, okay, I can do the book. I can bookkeep. Of course I can. I can, I can log my receipts. But actually, if I got someone to help me an hour a week or an hour a month at the start, and then it went to an hour a week, and now we have, we know we have a brilliant full-time financial controller, but it made me able to do the things I really loved and able to do what I was good at. Which is how you build a, a yeah. business you love, but also how you build a, how you build a successful yeah. business, I think, like holding the reins of absolutely yeah. everything too long after you after we should let them go can be really, really damaging. A little bit like you when you really needed to move yeah. to that bigger space. Oh, no, space. and I wasn't moving. Like, Brian, so you can keep yourself small. <laughs> I was like, I was such a brat. I was like, I'm not moving. I'm not going. I refuse to. We'll never find anywhere beautiful. We'll never. And I was like, I, I was like, I'll move anywhere as long as you can find somewhere that doesn't have blue carpet and strip lighting. Like, it has to have old, it has to have old wooden floors and it has to have exposed walls. And I was like, haha, he'll never be able to find anywhere and I'll get to stay here and I'll get to keep everything <laughs> in my house and get to control it all. And then Brian, like, I literally took him about a week and he came back and went to this beautiful renovated warehouse space and it's all like you know New York loft and I was like yeah yeah right and then we walked into the building and I fell in love with it so but because <sighs> I like I put all the parameters I was like I've got him he's never going to be able to find the space I want and he did <laughs> and it was it was such a powerful decision for us even just moving moving our office out of home meant that I, I find it so tough at first not working because I've always worked because I've homeschooled so I've always worked from home 
I I love the idea of having all my work, yeah. but it just it actually meant that I couldn't work at nine o'clock at night anymore because my stuff wasn't there. All my jewelry was in work, and all my tools. So it it did give me a little bit of separation. Not that I'm very good at it. I, I think if you love what you do, you want to do it all the time. Yes, absolutely. But no, it is nice to be able to at least yeah. close the door on it, isn't it? In a way you can't yeah. when it's spilling out. I know people find house. it tough. It's that like, how do you separate it? Because your life is so part of who you are and what you do, and your work is so yeah. integral. Absolutely. Yeah, Rory's always like, can we go out and not take pictures? And I'm like, mm, no, not really. No. So Brian and I have a deal. No Instagram when we're eating. That's our, that's his rule. So he's like, he's, it's because he just rule. can't bear the food getting cold. He's like, but you're taking a picture of food and it's going to be cold. Like, this is awful. And no Instagram and coffee. No coffee or no food. And that's our deal. And then like, it, oh, man, yeah, no yeah, no coffee. So yeah, it's a really funny one because, because, but like, Instagram is such an incredibly powerful tool for us. Like, how lucky are we to have it? Well, yeah, let's talk about this. So what role do you think social media has played in you building this business? So five years old, kind of you were born in the middle of the social media yeah, kind of buzz. Yeah, and very funnily, we, we weren't, because so, so since I was 21, so that was my own company with Topshop. And I remember my friend, I think I was about 25. So we'd come with, with Topshop with, with the women's wear. We were about, you know, kind of designing. And she was like, oh, you need a Facebook page. And I was like, oh, what? I don't think I had a Facebook account at that time. And um, it's funny because we say that now and people forget, you know, everyone is like, oh, yeah, like obviously there was no social media 10 years ago. But you don't really take it in. You don't really remember what it was like, you yeah. know, how little there was. And so she said, OK, you need a Facebook page. And I was like, nope not a chance in hell and she was like no you put it up and then people will like it and like you mean I like ask people to like me like all my teenage insecurity come like bundling out in like horror I was like I, I couldn't think of anything worse and more soul destroying and so she was like right well I'm putting it up for you you're just being silly and I was at this I was at peak control freak because I was 25 and I was like okay okay fine 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 and so she put it up and then like my mum liked it thanks mum and then my friends liked page and then I remember the first person who wasn't my friend and I remember like cyber stalking them being like oh who are you and like where do you like page and then and then suddenly there was thousands of people and and I was like oh this is this is a whole thing and so that Facebook happened for that and it was amazing and then I kind of I came to Instagram quite late about three and a half years ago so I definitely haven't been on it for years I just loved it because I visual um, if you're creative mm. you know how amazing that you get to take pictures and share pictures what could you put more hipstamatic do you remember hipstamatic every yes yeah, all, those like, all the heavily super filtered <laughs> grainy images for the, for the younger members of the audience who haven't hipstamatic was the coolest thing in the whole world and so it was a way to like share my hipstamatic pictures <laughs> and like some really awful pictures back on my feed I never went back and curated it because I love the idea of right back at the bottom there's really awful photographs <laughs> same yeah I think it's really yeah. I love to go back on when you find an account that makes you feel like yeah. your life is rubbish I'm like right yeah. scroll back and just remind myself that actually this is just a skill yeah, like I'm anything just, else like, I'm actually working hard and I have because I, I think it's very hard when you work for yourself to track your progress you know to see if you are actually getting better yeah. you know, like how do you know you're any better how, know, how do you know you haven't just stagnated and are actually what you're doing is total rubbish because <laughs> it's like it's very hard to be objective about yourself but I love Instagram it's a diary you can scroll back and go okay, I may be having a bad day today and I may have design block and I may be creating the ugliest things you've ever seen in your whole life. But like a month ago, I made a really, really beautiful ring that really mattered to someone and I had this huge connection. And there's that great diamond. It's a whole archive. So I discovered Instagram and fell in love with it. And then, um, and I was kind of, I was, I definitely feel like 30 was a huge moment for me where I kind of let go. So I'm 34 and there was a big, 
I've never really been caught up on age, but I definitely felt a certain level of like, oh no, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. Some people will love me. Some people will hate me. What really matters is what I think of me and that I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm comfortable with who I am and what I do and why we do it and that integrity. And um, so Instagram was this like incredible, happy place. So social media has been life changing and, and defining for us. So we have about like 150,000 fans on social across a couple of channels instead of Facebook mainly and it's incredible like it's it's like having a group of best friends who've got your back you know when you want to like it's yes. a whole group of women and, and men who, who love what you love like how else could you ever access that you know if you told companies 20 years ago or if you told designers or anyone who wanted to do something where you need to connect with other people that you would be able to talk to 150,000 people every day and say, hi, how are you? What do you think? What, what what do you like? You know, when I'm designing a new collection, I'll put up all the pictures and be like, what do you guys think? Which one do you love? And, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing yes. feedback. And immediate yeah. feedback. You've got Incredible. it within the hour. And, and people actually care about being asked. Like, we all love it. Like, it's this huge community that really gets you. And you can cure a curious community that care about what you care about. So if you really are really, really into a really little niche thing, there they are on Insta, hanging out with you, ready to chat to you, ready to care. Yes. And yeah, I'm, like, I'm totally addicted. <laughs> if you had to find that niche, um, you know, like, so you in Dublin, if you were like, okay, I have to find the people who love yeah. the sparkly things I love and I'm limited to the people in Dublin, your business is limited. You know, there's only so many people in, in any any location that are going to understand what you do but in the yeah. whole world which is what instagram and social media opens up there's enough for anything you could have the niche strangest little business model in the world but you'll I find your people all over the, that's it isn't it like it's that international like yes um, yesterday orders went out so we went sent beautiful sparkly things to india to tokyo korea obviously london all over the u.s and that happened because of instagram because of social because when we put up a new collection there's this incredible group of people who who love what we love and get it because I do, like you know I, like I, as a designer as a designer you do, like say there's 100 people in the room probably 90% of people 90 people would be like that's disgusting love that's like a really awful gold necklace it's not me and another five people would be like oh that's quite a nice gold necklace and the other five will be like oh my god that's the gold necklace of dreams that's the one I've been waiting for yes. and the same with because we're ethical so we make everything in Ireland and it's all ethically produced and we use recycled gold and we source grey diamonds and for so many people they don't care like they want the big white Tiffany rock and they're not interested in, in made with love they're mm. not interested in no blood diamonds but we're able to say no we thought about it we can find the people who love what we love which is just incredible it's like it's such a privilege and it, but I also think that the counter side to that is because Instagram is oh my god all these people with their ridiculously perfect lives and they're so beautifully curated feeds and it can be really terrifying because so many people say oh like I'm going to start an Instagram account or I'm going to yeah. I don't know like I feel like I'm going to is the death of promise like I am starting do it right now like there's nothing to, don't wait like what are you waiting for there's so many things that you could have could have would have should, should have done that if you do them right now you have so much more chance of making something brilliant so true in fact i was having this conversation with some people we've just in week one of the insta retreat at the moment and there are a few people saying um i haven't started my account yet so i'm going to do this class and then i'm going to start no. it shall i wait shall i wait till i know what i want to do and i always say no 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 start now start now because there's nothing better actually than experimenting while no yeah. one's watching like that's the greatest privilege and the people that stick with you from the beginning will love to see that that journey and, and we're all constantly evolving like I'm sure five years from now if we come back and have another conversation which I hope we can do um I'm sure we will be doing things really differently and we'll have learned a whole a whole load of new lessons and it's you know that that the, the, the quote that self-doubt killed uh, killed more dreams 
than anything ever will. Like, like that doubt of like, yeah. oh no, I'm not really sure what my theme is, or I'm not really sure what my story is, or it, it's like as I, it's like I just think it's get online and just take a picture every day. And once you force yourself to have to take that picture every single day, you'll find what you love and you'll find what you're good at because you'll you'll see how things succeed and you'll see what you love and you'll find that whole story. And no one's yes. perfect. We're all a work in yeah. progress. Like the I'm a big believer in, yeah. in learning by doing as well. Like there, there's no, there's no better way to. No, make there really happen. isn't, and it's such an exciting thing. Like who knows where it is Instagram even going to be a platform in five years? Who knows? Maybe it's not going to be the cool, and maybe yeah. it's going to change. So enjoy it, and like also, it's such a lovely way to make mistakes. You know, it's like okay, yeah, you post a really crappy picture and it doesn't do well. Who cares? You'll get up tomorrow and you'll hopefully take a better one. And the only way we succeed is by doing. I, yeah, I feel like it's a weird dichotomy where now it seems like we're told we can be anything we want to be. You know, there's like the X factor effect of being told you can, of course, mm. be Beyonce, but actually you can't really because you're not good enough. And, and as like, adults yeah. being told that, and it, it's so, so destructive to think instead that actually it's not about being the perfect version of anything. It's about just doing what you love. And doing it with your whole heart and soul. Yeah, figuring yeah. out what you love and then, and then yeah. doing no, it. No, it's so important. You talked then about like how we, how we measure success and sometimes it feels like success isn't isn't happening or it's, it can be really hard to kind of track, especially as a small business. Um, but I know you've had some some real kind of outside acknowledgements of success quite recently haven't you you've had a couple of oh you have and it, it, like it's that that struggle with with how do you how do you rate yourself and how do you rank yourself because I feel like like my dreams are skyscrapers and sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm achieving bungalows I'm like great so like I can I you know this is where I want to be and this is what we're actually achieving but it's been we've had a, a really amazing couple of months so we had um our, our autumn started really beautifully. I won Jewelry Entrepreneur of the Year in London in the in the jewelry. They're called the Jewelry Oscars, which I think is such a wonderful, a wonderful <laughs> thing for them to do. That's what everyone knows them as. And so we went over. So was, I was nominated, and that's lovely. I was really lovely being nominated. I was like, oh, this is really, really amazing. And how what a privilege! And all these incredible designers, and all these incredible brands. And so I went over with my team manager Cheryl, and I went over together. And we were like, okay, we'll just go over, have a lovely evening. We had a bunch of meetings to catch up on. We'll go for dinner, and we'll go to the awards. And we were sitting there having a chat and they were calling it the award and it was cheapy and I, like I nearly I nearly fell over because it was such an incredible thing to be recognized outside of your country you know to be to be in London to get an international yeah. award for you know jewelry entrepreneur it was like this is just it was such an amazing such an amazing moment and then that was for the for the brand and for the business and for all the big things all the big things that bank managers take seriously like the big moments that was my big moments one but then my my much softer one was Ireland has an incredibly complicated history with the Catholic Church and with um, abuse and with all the scandals and all these terrible things. And so my generation are, we're not, it's a funny one where we, we carry the guilt of it, but we weren't part of it. And there's sort of a funny thing where I think it's quite like Brexit in a way. People feel like passengers on the journey. And whether you're pro-Brexit or anti-Brexit, it's a huge thing that's happening. And you're kind of like, oh, I can't really do anything about it. You know, I can't make a difference. It's just that yeah. train is on the track and I'm just going to have to go with it. But um, so there was a friend of mine, a really good friend, was organising a an event for they're called the Ma- the, Ma- the Magdalen Laundries, where these appalling institutions where women they're called fallen women, basically women who had babies out of wedlock, weren't married and had their babies. They were taken into these institutions, and their babies were taken from them and then sold. Like they were basically given to Irish families or sold to American families. Like it was it's a scandal of our of our country. It was appalling, and there was basically. 
And there's very little record keeping, Nothing. isn't there? So these so mothers have never really been able to track their babies. Yeah, they could never track down their babies. And it's appalling. It's happened all over the world in various governments and, and Catholic church-run institutions. And Dublin was having, my friend was organising this event in Dublin to honour these incredible women who are now all in their 60s, 70s and 80s. Like it was the last laundries kind of closed really in the in the 80s. So these women are elderly and they were having a celebration. And I thought I really wanted to do something for them. I I I don't believe in, in being like, yes, we're really bloody powerless and I can't change the past, but I wanted to do something about the future. So we made a, a necklace, so a, a, a citron gem, gemstone necklace for all of all of these women to say, say we see you, to say we're sorry, to say as, as Ireland, as women, as our company is, is mainly women, like we're 84% women on the team. And we wanted mm. to just say, you know, we're sorry. And, and and we recognize you and there's so we made these necklaces and it was meant to be a total secret because I didn't want I didn't want my story to overshadow theirs I didn't want it to be like you know a PR thing where it was like oh isn't it so lovely you know yeah. that, you know cheapy gifts I was like no it's not about me it was about them and it was just incredible it's like there uh, were there were tears and there were because they had been not recognized by the state as having value you know they'd been told imagine the idea that you a, a baby out of out of marriage is a, a deal like it's so ridiculous and they were just so touched and then it got it got out and then people found out about it and it was lovely and and it, it was just so lovely and the me- messages and the letters like handwritten letters from these women in their 70s and 80s I've had since are just it's lovely and heartbreaking and I think it it was so important because it was important for us as a business to do good you know, yeah, we're a company, but like we can still have a heart and still we can still make a difference. And so I just got awarded um, the Tatler Woman of the Year uh, 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 10 days ago, which was amazing for, for <laughs> that. So it was a really incredible thing. But Sarah, and I just think this is a really interesting one. Um, I think losing is actually more powerful than winning in a weird way. Um, yeah. Ooh. So I, a, f- a few years ago, just when we started, I got nominated for this. It's the Business Woman of the Year Awards in Ireland. They're a really big deal. And this was the biggest awards for female entrepreneurship. And I got nominated and I lost. And actually, it was amazing losing because it made me go, oh, what do I, did I want to win? Because I, I, when I got nominated, I was like, I was just fresh out of, fresh out of Topshop. I was just starting making, we were just starting, I think I, I maybe had one person, one of my friends working with me at that point. And I, I was like, oh, actually, maybe I do want to win. Maybe I do want to, because I hadn't really put any shape on what I wanted the business to look like. Like, did yeah. I want to just see me making beautiful things in my spare room? Or did I want something big and global? And, and it was weirdly amazing, because it made me really look at what I was doing and why it mattered and what I wanted to build. And so we went back, and actually, it was really lovely. We ended up winning the award the next year. But And it was funny, I still think, and I still look at that and think, actually, losing was, was incredible, because it really because of that external validation and that thing of someone going, well, what do you really want to do? It was my, what do I really want to do? What do I really want to build? And I I just love the idea that we can make beautiful things in Ireland, that that's possible. You know, that that's that it doesn't have to be all made in China, yeah. that it doesn't all have to be made overseas, that tiny businesses have potential. And it, it's actually funny. We just switched bank. And um, uh, the reason we switched was uh, our just the ridiculous level of sexism from our bank. So I like sat down with the bank a while ago and um, uh, there was a genuine kind of like, and where's your husband vibe? And I was just... Oh my God. And it's, it's funny that that's still, I, I honestly think it's still, it's still my biggest struggle. When, it, when I was 21 and a young woman in business, I thought, okay, well, when I'm in my 30s, people are going to take me seriously. And it, I still mm. think for women, I can see it with my team. I can see the challenges they face as you know, as women. And the guys are wonderful too, but for the, for the girls, it's definitely still facing, 
you know, being a woman and being taken seriously. Well, and especially because you haven't made yourself into the stereotypical business <laughs> woman. You know, you don't, you're not in power suits with like a barb and, and stilettos and you're like, and it, I, I think there's something in that as well. If you don't play the game, if you don't try and kind of play by the male rules that have so been put much. on what yeah. business is, yeah. they, they don't know what That's to do with you. That's and it. And it's because, we, because we're in a, a soft business. So any creative business is a soft business. It's yeah. like a soft, gentle business. And I just don't get it. So like if you're, if you're sitting down with anyone, if you're looking, so there's no grants, there's no funding, there's no loans. Like we, we've built a company on blood, sweat and tears and love. And that's, I'm really proud of that and that we own it wholly. But sometimes you have to work with external partners and even it's it's that getting taken seriously can be really challenging. But I decided on day one, I wasn't going to compromise who I was or what we wanted to, who I was or what I wanted to do. I was going to do it as me. I was yeah. going to do it wearing gold sequin shoes and I was going to do it in a pink dress and I was going to do it and be bloody taken seriously. And in a way, self, like doubt, external doubt can be really good. And that's why I thought losing was so powerful is because, it teaches you to to fight harder and to fight fight leaner. Yeah, and to really fight for what you love. Yeah, because it it makes you realise actually they're wrong about me. Yeah, I'm show it does. Them. And like, I think you need that. You need you need things pushing you and going. Oh well, isn't that lovely? You know, like that that was my that's my favourite phrase being told that <laughs> a patronising sound of voice. Oh, isn't that lovely? And it's because we would especially worked with a lot of startups. So, uh, you know, when we were a tiny startup, we would have been positioned alongside a lot of like brilliant, you know, brilliant boys in tech, you know, really clever boys who were going to build amazing. Yeah. They were building the new Facebook, and we were making jewellery. And you know, and it's funny in, um, how how stereotyped it is if you want to do something softer and as a woman like we were drawn to these you know much more creative businesses like if you walked down and, and told your friends you were starting a tech startup that was going to be the new facebook everyone would be like wow if you said hey she like really want to make jam and i'm going to run a really amazing jam business and it's going to be a life-changing jam business everyone would just be like oh yes it's so true and it, there's so much history in that i think isn't there the, the kind of stereotypical women's yeah. crafts are just not taken seriously, whereas like the male crafts are but automatically like, perceived as the, having more the, value. The thing on Instagram this week about bookish, the the the, the Guardian taking the piss out yeah. of people photographing books, and it was like I really loved what you were writing, saying that you know it is all these female content creators who are like how amazing that we have people like Bookish Bronte creating really beautiful images that inspire you every day, but because it's a bit softer and a bit you know a bit like it's it's social media, it doesn't have value. I think it's like it's our job to fight that and be like, no, okay, you guys don't have to take it seriously, but we do, and it has. And we we are yeah. proving them wrong. Like Bronte has started yeah. a business. She's she's still at uni and she started already yeah. started her own business. She's already making her own income from it. And and here's you with this amazing business you've built. And yeah, the, I think like I I find this whole generation of us kind of so yeah. inspiring Brilliant. because. Everywhere I look, I see women who have gone, okay, right, if there's not room for me in that existing system, I'm going to have to make my own system. And are finding ways to kind of, we're working within capitalism, we're certainly, you know, it's still a capitalist society, but we're finding a way to make a compromise and find the heart in what we do. So that it's it's not like, you. I'm sure there was a point you could have said, actually, we could get this all manufactured in China, we could halve our production costs, we could double our profit margins. 
and it, it would have still been a viable business, um, but you've consciously made the choice to make the business. You would you not want. believe how many people have said that to us. Once we got to a certain size and once it looked like the business was needed, that we were going to actually build a jewelry, a jewelry business that mattered. The first question was like, oh, I mean, you know, what's the next stage for production? So the assumption was we made an island because mm. we couldn't afford to do anything else. Or we made an island because, you know, we just like, it was a little lovely, like, someone wants to tell me, oh, it's a lovely lifestyle business you have. I nearly shot them. <laughs> it's like, what do you own? lifestyle business it's such an offensive term my business and my life flow in together in this like I you know I work about like we're coming into Christmas crazy so I'll be working about 60 or 70 hours a week at the moment I love what I Mm. do so I'm really passionate about it lifestyle business it's such a patronizing term for anything involving women and creativity lifestyle business and it's we we make an island because it's magical. Because I can tell you, I can tell you the fifteen. I can introduce you to the fifteen people who it takes to make a ring. Like from Barry, who's in his sixties and he's been working in gold jewelry since he was since since he was seventeen. He apprenticed to Janice, our master oh, goldsmith, who's like twenty five years working on a bench, and to all of the other people who make it possible. How amazing that that is that that's possible. And every time you buy a ring, you're supporting. We have about we were about just under fifty people employed in in making. So like that one ring funds fifty jobs and made in china is wonderful and that if that suits your business that is that's where you're meant to be but why can't we do things with magic and love and kindness and care and it was the same thing with why it was why i didn't want the magdalene project to become something about us because it wasn't meant to be about us it's about doing good like why can't we just good you know have a have a heart and have a soul and we need more people But there's loads of people who think in positions of power and influence. There's loads of people who think like us, who believe in magic, who believe in good. But it's that doubt and scepticism of like, oh, it just it isn't possible. I can't do it. And that's why why Instagram is just such an incredibly powerful force for good. Like, yeah, the algorithm is painful, and there's loads of things where you're like, come on, stop being so difficult. But it's given us access to find the people who love what we love, and the ability to build tiny companies. Like, we wouldn't be here today without Instagram and without Facebook and what it's enabled us to do and grow. We'd never have had the money to advertise or to, you know, we could like, we, we only opened us. It's, it's actually such a weird one. So we started very much digitally and now have a store. So we have a 1400 square foot store just off Grafton Street, which is the main shopping street in Dublin. And we now have people who travel to our physical shop because of Instagram. So we've got this lovely couple who flew over from California. <laughs> so they fell in love with us online and they flew over from California with engagement appointments booked all the way through December for London, for New York, for yeah. we've got a Michigan, we've got Australia. And it's people traveling because they find us online and they want to come and fall in love with with what we've fallen in love with and why it's important. I love it. I love it all. I'm so glad I got oh, to speak to you. Chupi, where can people find some of this magic? So I am Chupi on Instagram, C-H-U-P-I, and then we're www.chupi.com, and we're that's where we'll, you'll find me hanging out there pretty much all of the time with Brian trying to take the phone out of my hands. <laughs> He's like, put it down, back away. <laughs> but yeah, it's a wonderful place to connect. You'll find the show Thank notes for this so episode much. at meandallai.co.uk forward slash podcast 72, where I will include links to everything we've talked about, beautiful sparkly magicalness, and anything else you might need. If this episode or any of the others has been helpful, enlightening, or just enjoyable for you, I would so love you to leave me a review or some stars on iTunes. Maybe hit subscribe in your podcast app. It makes a huge difference. And I would love you to tell your friends, invite more people along because it all helps me keep making this show. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.